0: Today, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne, for 3CR, on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their Elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation and broadcast on your community radio station. In today's program, we're looking at the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. You may not have heard of this trade deal, which is the latest US economic pact being hammered out to include the following countries. Australia, Brunei, the Philippines, Fiji, India, Indonesia, Singapore, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Thailand, Malaysia, New Zealand and Vietnam. But as workers have learned the hard way, earlier free trade deals have often put workers' rights and other community assets on the pyre of commercial expediency, while the deals themselves are worked out in secret. We hear first up from Arthur Stamboulis from Trade Justice Education Fund who gives us an overview of what the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework is, with specific focus on three of the chapters, labour, climate and digital.
1: You know, I think the first thing to know about IPEF is that this is a big deal. Um, Right now, the IPEF negotiations are between the United States and 13 other countries across the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, Together, they account for about 40% of the global economy and IPEF is also intended as what's called a docking agreement uh, that other countries will be able to dock onto or join over time. So, you know, just in and of itself, um, the pact has the potential to be massive. And then further, if it does move forward and it is adopted, IPEF will likely become the template for other trade agreements uh, that are in the pipeline right behind it. Other, other trade deals that are, you know, behind IPEF include... The America's Partnership for Economic Prosperity, uh, the U.S.-EU Trade and Technology Council, the Kenya Strategic Trade and Investment Partnership, and the, uh, the Taiwan uh, Initiative on 21st Century Trade. So, like, you know, these IPEF negotiations could end up setting the model for binding rules that cover the large majority of the planet. You know, these are rules that impact jobs, wages, labor rights, you know, climate action, environmental justice consumer privacy, algorithm justice, and a lot more, uh, and rules that could potentially be in place for decades to come. Once, once a trade agreement is agreed to, it's very, very hard to get out of it. Um, and as you might imagine, corporate lobbyists are working very hard <laughs> to try to get the types of rules added to IPEF that can increase their profits and their power. And we're working hard advocating for rules that would benefit working people, consumers, the planet. Uh, as well as keep the damaging rules that corporations are pushing out. So let me just start with some good news. Because of the work that many of you did stopping the Trans-Pacific Partnership during the Obama administration, President Biden and a lot of the people around him are already convinced that they shouldn't be replicating many of the worst aspects of the TPP model you know, into IPEF. So right out of the gate, we know that IPEF won't include Investor State Dispute Settlement or ISDS. Those are rules that are found in a lot of our trade agreements that allow individual corporations to challenge our countries or other countries' laws, regulations, court decisions, permitting decisions um, as trade violations in these international tribunals that circumvent domestic judicial systems. So ISDS is incredibly anti-democratic. It's the anti-worker, it's the anti-environment. Um, it won't be a part of IPEF and that's a very good thing. Likewise, uh, IPEF is not expected to have a procurement chapter. That means no new rules limiting by America, by local, by green, other sort of government purchasing preferences. For those of you who were part of the fight against pharmaceutical monopolies, you know, since COVID started or even earlier, is HIV AIDS activists, um, you'll be glad to hear that IPEF is not expected to include an intellectual property chapter with new giveaways to big pharma. So that's very positive. Um, and at this stage, IPEF is also not expected to include direct market access offers, meaning, you know, no changes to tariff lines and quotas. So that's also positive. Um, and again, like it's the work that many of you did educating others, shining a spotlight on the corporate agenda for the TPP, um, you know, that convinced the Biden administration not to replicate, you know, those awful, those awful provisions again today. Um, whether that's going to hold true for future administrations uh, is an open question. And certainly a lot of corporations and congressional Republicans, you know, are whining about it all quite loudly. You know, but for those of you who worked on the TPP campaign or the TRIPS waiver campaign, you know, we can see how your work has already made a difference and is already influencing the negotiations, like really before they even start. Um, And so I just want to take a moment to appreciate that and to thank you all for that, um, because that is progress. That said, you know, just keeping awful stuff out of a new trade deal doesn't automatically make it a net positive. Um, you know, what does and doesn't make it into the final IPEF deal, you know, is what the agreement's going to have to be judged upon. And for the time being, like a lot of those decisions are ones that we can still influence. Um, So I'm going to talk about like three major components of IPEF that we're tracking the most closely, um, starting with the labor chapter, uh, and then I'll talk about climate and then digital trade. And so to begin on the labor front, a lot of the countries selected as IPEF partners uh, just have atrocious labor records. Uh, So any new agreement that helps facilitate trade with those countries, you know, if it doesn't include strong enforceable labor standards, like that's going to be a recipe for increased job offshoring and an accelerated global race to the bottom in wages and working conditions. And, you know, let me just give you a snapshot of the labor conditions in some of these IPEF countries. Malaysia, was recently downgraded to the lowest possible tier on the US State Department's uh, report on human trafficking. That report found that the Malaysian government not only isn't taking the minimum steps needed to combat human trafficking, but that it isn't even trying to. And as such, forced labor is widespread, not only in Malaysian fishing and palm oil and and rubber production, uh, but also in its massive export-oriented consumer electronics industry. To give another example, like, violence against trade unionists is rampant in the Philippines. Uh, The International Labor Organization, the ILO, uh, reports at least 50 trade unionist assassinations in recent years. Um, Far more union leaders have have faced threats of violence, uh, and more still are imprisoned on trumped-up charges. So, you know, the labor situation there is just horrendous. Um, you know, and that's what <laughs> makes the country attractive to, to companies like AT and others that have, that have already begun offshoring jobs there. In Vietnam, a country that bills itself as a low-cost labor alternative to China, you know, not only is child labor fairly widespread, but workers aren't allowed to to vote for their own union representatives. Um, you know, and things aren't much better in Brunei, in Thailand, in Indonesia um in other other IPEF countries so you know if an IPEF deal is going to move forward covering those countries and becoming a template for trade packs you know the world over um it needs to have strong labor provisions and to us that means three things you know first it needs to have strong clear labor standards that are based on the International Labor Organization's conventions you know these are agreements that have been worked out internationally for decades that you know spell out what does it mean not to have forced labor what does it mean not to have child labor what does it mean to have the right to organize what does it mean to have freedom from discrimination you know we want strong standards we want clear standards that countries are agreeing to adhere to second you know if countries agree to adhere to those they need to show that they're actually making the changes to their laws you know before the u.s signs a final agreement with them and third you know there needs to be swift and certain enforcement mechanisms in place to ensure that those rules you know that are put in place on paper get lived up to uh for the long run and you know to us that means building off of the facility specific rapid response labor enforcement mechanisms that democrats and labor uh forced into the renegotiated nafta deal also known as the us-mexico-canada agreement you know, those are provisions that that the independent labor movement in Mexico has used to advance worker rights in that country, um, and we want to see that, you know, replicated and, and improved upon uh, in IPEF. So right now, a lot of IPEF boosters are crying that they can't have uh, facility-specific labor enforcement in countries like the Philippines and Vietnam and Malaysia. You know, if this is a deal that's going to work for working people in our country, and work for working people in those countries, it has to improve labor enforcement. Otherwise, companies are just gonna use it to further exploit, switch up labor abroad. You know, and if governments won't agree to combating labor rights abuses, like we don't need a special trade agreement with them. The same, of course, goes for climate and other environmental standards. Uh, You know, in a globalized economy, having strong environmental rules in one country and not another that we're trading with is a recipe for NIMBYism um for dumping our pollution on poor countries abroad you know not only is that evil and unjust in its own right when you're looking at increases in water pollution and lead poisoning and things like that but it also leads to even more job offshoring you know if a company wants to evade environmental rules in the u.s it can just move to another country and pollute as much as it wants um and then when we're talking about you know air pollution and certainly climate pollution um that pollution doesn't respect borders So everyone suffers, and we do not want a deal that, you know, is going to make it even harder to meet climate and other environmental goals. So if IPEF is going to move forward, it also needs strong, easily enforced environmental standards. And one thing I can almost guarantee you is going to happen at some point this year is that you're going to be told that IPEF is the strongest trade agreement ever in terms of climate standards. Um, You know, and the thing to know about that is our past trade deals did not even mention the term climate change. Previous administrations wouldn't even allow that. Democratic and Republican alike, no. Um, So being the strongest trade deal ever on climate is a very low bar to clear, like too low a bar to be meaningful in and of itself in 2023. You know, again, we need like strong, clear standards with swift and certain enforcement mechanisms. Or, you know, it's really just greenwashing. And the last uh, thing I want to warn you about in terms of IPEF's contents is its digital trade chapter. This is a section that corporate lobbyists, particularly big tech lobbyists, um, are pushing the hardest right now. You know, big tech realizes that the public and policymakers uh, are starting to wake up to the oversized role that their industry plays in our economy and our society you know, and they're afraid rightly that they might start facing some accountability in terms of you know new laws, regulations on consumer privacy, data security, algorithm discrimination, gig economy worker protections, you know anti-monopoly, you know and more and so you know those lobbyists are pushing very hard for rules in IPEF that would effectively block new laws and regulations reigning in big tech abuses. And they're doing that by trying to insert language into IPEF that would you know, guarantee free flow of data between countries, that would prevent data localization, that would grant algorithms and source codes trade secrets protections, um, that would make it a violation uh, to, to target companies based on their size or their market power. And so you know if you don't want your personal data shipped all over the world, if you don't want a global race to the bottom in digital economy jobs, If you do want to see regulations against racist and sexist algorithms or against obtrusive bossware, you know, if you want to bust up monopolies, you know, then these digital trade rules being pushed by big tech and IPEF are something that you need to be paying attention to. This is probably the biggest new front in trade policy from the corporate side and one that they're very much hoping to sneak into IPEF.
0: You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news, and social justice issues. We're looking into the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, a free trade deal being hammered out with the US and 13 Indo-Pacific nations, including Australia. And as with earlier free trade deals, access to detailed information is available to corporations but limited to the public and their representatives with a non-disclosure clause of five years for countries that sign up. We have been listening to Arthur Stramoulis from Trade Justice Education Fund for an overview of IPEF. We now hear from Patrick Woodall. He's from the Peak Union Organisation in America, American Federation of Labour and Congress of Industrial Organisations, the AFL-CIO Technology Institute, for a more detailed look at the impact on workers
2: of trade deals in the digital age. Digital seems ephemeral, but it's impacting millions of workers, whether they know it or not. It includes back office and call center and other workers whose jobs could be digitally offshored. It's workers whose jobs are controlled or managed by software, including retail and restaurant scheduling apps. It's workers like teachers that are raided and even fired by algorithmic management. It's warehouse and delivery workers prodded to work faster by productivity apps, low paid gig workers that toil for platform companies and it's workers everywhere that are monitored on and off the job by their employers. These workers are all impacted by big tech companies and digitally enabled employers and the digital trade rules give all the power and all the rights to the companies that control these technologies and data. So. What are the emerging digital trade issues and the potential trade provisions and how do they impact workers? These digital trade rules are new. The internet, email, and smartphones didn't exist when uh, NAFTA and the WTO were debated. We faxed stuff to one another. Digital trade rules first appeared in the TPP and the USMCA. These provisions grant companies almost unfettered rights to control and transfer data, software operation, and digitally enabled workers across borders. Many provisions directly impact workers, including around data, software security, privacy, cybersecurity and re- reducing custom scrutiny for smaller e-commerce shipments that can conceal evasion of forced labor or anti dumping orders. There are also issues affecting workers off the job. The rules make it harder to implement consumer protections or expand Internet access, and they lock in platform immunity for allowing online hate and political disinformation. There's some customs and, and uh, trade facilitation stuff around electronic signatures and banning tariffs on digital trade. TPP was the first multilateral deal with a digital chapter that included big tech's wish list. The language was a starting point for USMCA and the US Japan digital deal, but the USMCA language includes even more giveaways to the tech companies. There are other digital trade negotiations underway, including ongoing digital and data discussions with the UK and the EU and digital trade is included in the Indo-Pacific Economic Partnership. The draft framework includes a range of digital issues with right now just sort of happy language and no specifics. But using the USMCA as a digital starting point would only expand anti worker provisions to repressive countries with widespread labor abuses where companies have already offshore tens of thousands of back office call center and data jobs. Digital trade rules can block efforts to address the impact of emerging technologies on workers. Look, trade disputes allow tribunals to weaken or even eliminate common sense laws. Domestic measures must be deemed necessary and legitimate, minimally trade restrictive, and they can't be perceived to be intentionally protectionist. Few policies survive trade attacks. More than 95% of WTO challenges to domestic measures have been successful, and USTR has identified other countries' digital regulations as potentially illegal trade barriers, including on privacy and on ride-hail rules. The rigged trade rules constrain all domestic policy, but they pose a unique challenge to confronting emerging technologies. Not only does digital trade language grant broad powers to corporations, But right now, there are almost no laws protecting workers or consumers from the excess of big tech. Efforts to enact new technology policies could be easily derailed by trade disputes. So what's at stake for the companies? They're pushing for strong digital trade language to protect the right to digitally offshore and exploit their workers and secure broad rights over the future digital policy to maximize their profits. Over the past five years, profits at just four tech companies Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google have more than tripled to nearly a quarter trillion dollars. Profits of these firms jumped 125 billion dollars during the pandemic, while working people struggled just to keep their heads above water. And it's not just the companies; investors and executives have been richly rewarded. The stock value of these four firms surged 400 percent by the start of 2022, and even after the market meltdown these stocks are still worth many times what they were valued in 2015 about five times higher at amazon and apple and these companies aren't alone the forbes billionaire list has over 120 u.s tech billionaires with a combined net worth of over 1.3 trillion dollars the accumulation of wealth at the top is widening the economic and racial divide amazon ceo grabbed 36 million dollars in 2020. 12 hundred times more than the typical workers $29,000 annual earnings the digital trade rules threaten to lock in that yawning gulf between tech billionaires and working families. There are basically three buckets of digital trade impact on workers first threatening jobs and workers second making it harder to enforce current Labor law and third making it harder to address emerging technologies that threaten workers. The digital trade language prevents governments from blocking or curbing cross-border data flows, including personal information. It also blocks companies from requiring data processing or storage facilities be maintained domestically. This is known as localization policies. The prohibition against policies that set conditions on cross-border data transfers or require domestically held data could be challenged as illegal trade barriers. Efforts to protect sensitive personal information, health records, biometric data, financial information, or even keep data on critical infrastructure or law enforcement onshore could be challenged. The USMCA excluded financial data from the digital chapter because Treasury wanted to be able to enforce money laundering and tax evasion laws, but these these provisions also facilitate offshoring. The tech companies pretend the data and localization provisions promote internet freedom and stand up to authoritarian governments but it's really about offshoring after all many of these companies already cooperate with china and russia and a 2021 facebook study highlighted the offshoring benefits as a key rationale for the for the data provisions moving the data means moving any digitally enabled jobs including data processing and call centers and telemedicine Tens of thousands of unionized call center and data processing jobs have already been offshored to digital sweatshops with pittance wages and non-existent worker protections. And important public data services like veterans health records have been privatized. Much of the digital offshoring is going to IPAF countries with appalling records of labor abuses. The International Trade Union Confederation counts seven IPAF countries as amongst the most hostile to workers and labor rights. India and the Philippines are home to thousands of digitally offshore back office and call center workers. And these two countries host an army of exploited ghost workers. These are the workers who tag, code, and enter data that's the backbone of artificial intelligence. The digital trade deals make it easier to offshore workers and harder to protect workers from labor abuses. Digital trade rules also make it harder to investigate and enforce how algorithmic management and artificial intelligence can violate wage and hour, workplace safety, employment discrimination, and other laws. Employers use Bossware to hire, rate, monitor, and control workers. These algorithmic management tools are secret and unaccountable. They're black box systems that have real impacts on workers. Digital trade rules limit government oversight of Bossware tools that can make it harder to enforce labor law. The U.S. and M.C.A. and U.S. Japan digital provisions guarantee that companies can keep their software secret and prevent governments from accessing or evaluating the source code or algorithm blueprints for how the software operates. The provisions do allow specific investigations, but that this specificity requirement creates a hurdle to initiating enforcement efforts. To know what to investigate, you may need to access the technology, and if you don't access the technology, you can't start an investigation. It makes it harder. It also makes it harder to pursue industry-wide evaluations. The USMCA and US-Japan deal didn't include some TPP exemptions like for critical infrastructure or commercial contracts that could cover union bargaining. And the TPP requires companies to modify software to comply with domestic laws, but USMCA and US Japan do not. Whether they know it or not, more workers are being monitored and managed by artificial intelligence tools that undermine their rights. A 2021 review found that more than 90% of algorithmic management studies found negative worker impacts, including increased skilling, job intensity, and job insecurity. Employers use artificial intelligence tools to screen job applicants, assess video interviews, and even rate and fire workers. Teachers have been disciplined when students did not achieve expected test performance, and many employers evaluate workers' performance in real time. Uh, Amazon warehouse workers and UPS drivers have had their task time constantly monitored, and workloads are regularly adjusted upwards. And many employers monitor workers on and off the clock. Big tech companies want digital trade provisions uh, to take a hands-off approach to regulating artificial intelligence. The existing trade language makes it harder to oversee bossware tools and impede labor law enforcement. Just-in-time scheduling software encourages managers to press workers to skip breaks or work off the clock, violating wage and hour laws. Some unionized retail workers lost their health benefits when they were forced to become part-time workers under algorithmic scheduling. And the software is worsening the unreliable schedules and short shifting of retail and restaurant workers that worsens economic and family life precarity. Productivity apps ratchet up work speed that can lead to higher workplace injuries. Amazon warehouse workers are rated on their pick rate that has led to serious injury rates five times higher than the national average. And digital monitoring has included snooping on workers' social media accounts to sniff out union sympathies that can lead to anti union coercion and retaliation. And automated job applicant screening has been rife with discrimination that has made it harder for people of color, women, older people, and people with disabilities to secure jobs. Digital trade barriers to government oversight of big tech also harm workers off the job. Algorithmic creditworthiness, housing decisions, pr- predictive policing, facial recognition software, and other AI applications disproportionately discriminate against people of color that just reinforces and perpetuates existing racial inequalities. And algorithms drive the clickbait that's spreading political disinformation and making corners of the Internet a racist cesspool. And social media is contributing to a mental health crisis amongst young people. Financial regulators need to understand how algorithmic high speed stock trading schemes work. enforce market manipulation rules and the platform companies are monopolist gatekeepers for much of the digital economy they choose what we see what we buy and what we pay but the digital trade rules constrain policy space and government authority to address the known downsides of the digital economy we're working to build a worker-centered digital trade vision that can provide robust and defensible policy space to address today's tech problems, as well as emerging issues to ensure governments can step in and protect workers, consumers and communities. That's it for Stick
0: Together this week. If you want to catch up with our program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. And you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 0394198. 8377 and leaving us a message. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together and keep
3: safe. We are caught in the devil's plan, and we have to get our sand back to the God- Yeah, need